everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Nostalgia and Now with Laguna Biatch. As always, it is your host, Kelly. This week is so awesome. We have Nick Thomas from the band The Spill Canvas to join us this week, and I am so excited about it. We recorded it on Saturday, and I have to say, I was nervous. I was very nervous. The Spill Canvas is one of my all-time favorite bands, but Nick was super nice, and it's kind of funny because during the interview, I was nervous, as I do, as I do. I was very nervous, and I could not say the name of their new album. I kept stumbling over it, and I know how to say it. It's called Conduit. It's called Conduit, and I kept like stumbling over it and I blamed my accent near the end but it's a great album if you liked early emo music of the 2000s definitely suggest you check it out like I said the interview was at the end of the episode and him and I had a great time we talked about Warp Tour we talked about he opened up about his addiction we talked about his inspiration for the song The Tide so there's a lot of really good stuff there I hope you guys check it out and again go listen to their new album Conduit Conduit That's, I don't know. I keep saying it weird. I feel like I'm saying it weird. And then as I say it more, I'm like, maybe I'm saying it correctly. But again, new album by The Spill Canvas. Very good. Definitely suggest you check it out, especially if you are missing the early 2000s emo music that I know I'm missing. I really hope you guys had a great week, though. I know that most people I talked to, they were like, last week sucked. And I get it. I feel like It was the anniversary of the last normal week we had, at least in the United States. But it does seem like things are looking up. I actually saw on Twitter, and Twitter is not the best news source, I'm aware of that. But the president of Live Nation said that he thinks concerts will be back by end of summer. So I'm just putting it out there, Taylor. I know you canceled Loverfest, but if you want to bring Loverfest back, like if you want to cancel your cancellation... Let's go. Let's do it. I am ready for normal life to come back. I'm ready for concerts. I'm ready just to even go to the movie theater. You know, little things that you didn't even realize you missed. I'm ready to not wear a mask, see my friends, give them a hug, and just have fun. So hopefully there is a light at the end of this crazy tunnel. But I do want to remind people that, you know, even you going out wearing a mask could have saved a life, could have saved many lives. And that's something I always think about. I'm like, you know what? Me wearing my mask, me doing my best to social distance and making sure I only hang out with a certain core of people. Hopefully I've been able to help some people. But I know in Nashville, I'm considered obese so I can get the vaccine. So I'm going to go to Massachusetts when I come back. I want to get it. Unfortunately, Right now, the only time slots that they had open were the day before I leave, and I didn't want to fly out the following day because I didn't know if I'd feel well. It does seem like most people who get the first shot, they're fine, but it's the second shot that kind of like fucks people up. So I am definitely getting the vaccine, and I am excited to hopefully get back to a more normal life sooner rather than later. The Grammys are on tonight, so I will definitely be talking about the Grammys. And you know what's funny? I was thinking about it because I was like, I am not watching the Golden Globes. And I think it's because I don't watch a ton of movies or TV. So I feel like I wasn't like aware of a lot of the movies that were winning or a lot of even the actors or actresses, whatever the case may be. I'm much more in tune with music than I am with movies. So that's why I'm excited about the Grammys. I don't really care about red carpet. I don't even think it's in person. 
I think it's all going to be through Zoom. So as long as long as people know to unmute, I'm going to be okay, and I won't become violently angry at work. They've decided to start calling me the mute police. I run a lot of meetings at work, and I'm always like, you're on mute, you're on mute. (laughs) And I know, I know I should be nicer, but sometimes I'm just like, unmute yourself. We've been doing this for so long now. Let's just, let's just follow the correct protocol. (laughs) So yeah, as long as everybody is not muted, I will be absolutely okay. But I do hope you guys have had a good week. Like I said, most people I talked to last week was a little rough for them. We do have a light at the end of the tunnel and that makes me very, very excited. Also this week, I know that I'm probably late to the party, but I was Googling about the Royals as one does, especially after last Sunday. But I was met with Lewis or Louie. I'm not sure if it's pronounced Lewis or Louie Spencer, who is Diana's nephew and oh my god I'm so attracted to this man he likes Nicki Minaj I have found out no Instagram to be found there is like only about seven to ten pictures of him online but I'm in love with him so if anybody can help me find him I think I would be a great part of the Spencer side of the royal family because you get all the money and all this stuff but you don't have to do royal duties and I just I feel like I would bring something new to that family so again I know that I have some listeners out in England if you know Louis Spencer or Louis Spencer I'm not sure how to pronounce it if you know him just let him know that like I'm available and ready to date him Also, just a quick side note, I have ended up on a little niche area of TikTok that really stresses me out. I have found myself watching videos of whales coming super close to kayaks. And I think the issue is it gives me anxiety, but I will watch the video like 15 times and TikTok is like, oh, you like this, don't you? Because you know their algorithm is actually very good. It's way better than Instagram way better than Facebook, um, Twitter, whatever. But yeah, I watch those videos over and over and over again. And they scare me. They genuinely scare me. When I think of like my top three fears, it's like death, the ocean, and I don't know what the third one is. Maybe like losing someone I really, really love. I don't know if that would be my third fear, but my top two are definitely death in the open ocean. So TikTok's like, I know you watch these videos because they scare you and I'm just going to keep delivering them. I don't know why I'm talking about TikTok right now. I am obsessed with TikTok. It's be like taken over my life these last few weeks. And all I can say is if you're not following Mommy Farmer, what are you doing with your life? Mommy Farmer is an icon and I want her on the podcast to just like speak about all of her animals. Again, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I will say the boy band member is still supposed to be coming on the podcast. So that's exciting. But with that, let us get into TRL or what I call my version of TRL. So the top 10 shows on Netflix, we have number 10, Behind Her Eyes. Number nine, Paradise PD. Number eight, iCarly. Number seven, Coco Melon. Our show, Coco Melon, has made it back into the top 10, and I am so excited. Number six, Marriage to Mortgage. Number five is Parker. Number four is Last Chance You Basketball. And I actually love the Last Chance Use when it's football, so I'll definitely be watching that. Something about me is I feel like sports stories 
always capture like the human heart at its purest. And I know that sounds weird, but like athletes, I respect athletes so much. Number three is the one. Number two is Ginny and Georgia. And then number one is Yesterday. The top 10 iTunes tracks at the moment, which I'm guessing are gonna change after the Grammys. I'm just throwing that out there. But then again, I thought it was gonna change after Nick Jonas hosted Saturday Night Live and it just didn't. He never made it to the top 10. At number 10, we have Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Number nine, On the Ground by Rose. Number eight, Beautiful Mistakes by Maroon 5 and Megan The Stallion. Seven is Up by Cardi B. Six is Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa. Number five is Love and Hate by Michael Kiwanuka. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I apologize. It's K-I-W-A-N-U-K-A. Number four is My Head and My Heart by Ava Max. Number three is Sweet Night by V. Number two is Astronaut in the Ocean by Masked Wolf. And then number one is Leave the Door Open by Bruno Mars, Anderson Pack, and Silk Sonic. All I can say right now about Bruno Mars is he is releasing some baby-making music. That's, that's what I'm going to put out there right now. It is what it is. It's the truth. Also, I thought it was actually funny. I know I like dunk on Nick Jonas a little bit. I actually like his solo music. I did listen to his new album. I wasn't a huge fan. It's just not my kind of music. But he is releasing a deluxe version of his new album, I believe. And he's like, yeah, Nick and Kevin joined me on one song. So it's like Nick Jonas featuring the Jonas Brothers. I'm like, first of all, sir, that's not how it works. Second of all, I know that you're just doing this to try and be like, see guys, don't let my solo career flop because I didn't break up the Jonas Brothers this time. (laughs) I just thought that was a little funny side note. Also, like I said, I did listen to his album during, while I was working on Friday. And he has some song called like Too Drunk or You're Drunk or something. And that one was good. The other ones I just couldn't get into, which is a damn shame because I did like his first two solo albums a lot. And I realized I said Nick and Kevin are joining him on a song. I meant Joe and Kevin. I apologize about that. I'm sorry to Jonas Brothers fans. I meant Joe and Kevin. So this week, like I said, we have Nick Thomas from The Spill Canvas. In my top 10 are my top 10 emo bands. It just felt right. It felt like the right time. So number 10, Green Day. Number nine, Panic at the Disco. Number eight, Fall Out Boy. Number seven, Plus 44. Number six, The Summer Obsession. Number five, Jimmy Eat World. Number four, All Time Low. Number three, Spill Canvas. Number two, Taking Back Sunday. Number one, Dashboard Confessional. Now I know that there are bands like Paramore, Brand New. There are a bunch of bands that didn't make the list. Even Blink-182, But I always thought they were more like pop punk, like same with Simple Plan, Good Charlotte. I know that they were all kind of like put in the same category, but they're more pop punk in my opinion rather than emo. I guess All American Rejects could be considered emo, but I kind of fell off with them as they got bigger. I was one of those people I was like, oh, they're a sellout. I was the worst. But those are my top 10 emo bands. And to this day, I love emo music. I cannot lie about that. Usually at work, I listen to like Lil Wayne. 
But every once in a while, you know, I put on some Mayday Parade, who I did not list. I did not list Mayday Parade. So can I remove Summer Obsession and put in Mayday Parade, please? Because they are probably in my top four, for sure. And that is all we have for TRL this week. I hope you guys enjoy it. And I also hope you guys like the top 10 shows on Netflix. If you want me to do a different top 10, please let me know. My DMs are always open. The Facebook group's always open. Just like, let me know and I will gladly change it up one week. Now, one of the best shows on MTV is Floribama Shore. I know a lot of people haven't given it the time and I get it. I didn't want to watch it at first either, but it is such a good show. You know, I watch Jersey Shore. I watch Summer House on Bravo, but Floribama Shore just brings it. All of them are so crazy. It is a great show. Um, This past week... They basically had a big fight, spoiler alert, between Gus and Jeremiah, who have had issues for months. And if you've listened to the podcast and listened to my MTV show recap, you know I cannot stand Gus. I cannot stand somebody who just continuously is like, well, I had a hard life. Well, I had a hard life. Cool, me too. But you need to like move on from it. You need to go to therapy. You need to work on yourself to become a better version of yourself. That is how I personally feel. Now, basically, the backstory is Jeremiah kicked Gus out of the house that they were sharing. He packed up Gus's stuff. But the last episode, they kind of squashed the beef. Jeremiah was like, yeah, I should have not packed up your things. Like, I should have let you do that, but you had to get out of the house. And Gus was like, okay, ma'am, we're cool. So Gus is like just this little temperamental man. That is the only way I can explain him. He kind of looks like George Michael. He wears like red Michael Jackson jackets without a shirt underneath. And basically in this episode, he was just upset. He was in a bad mood. He had a lot of anger going on. And during a drinking game, Jeremiah was told he was the most entitled person. And again, Jeremiah should have just drank. Like that. those were the rules of the game. But he started to question it. He's like, how am I a person who is entitled when we have someone like Gus who just fights people, yells at people? And Kurt was kind of like, dude, you're entitled And in reality, like, you know, when you have those like sober moments and you're like, oh, I should have done this when I was sober rather than drunk. Jeremiah should have pulled Kirk to the side the following day and been like, what do you mean? Like, I'm an entitled person. Can you can you explain that to me? But again, it was a drinking game. They did not get that far. Jeremiah called Gus entitled and Gus was like, I'm the guy who has never had anything handed to him in his life. So he starts shoving Jeremiah And then he scratches the absolute shit out of Jeremiah. Gus tweeted something. He's like, you're lucky production edited out all those punches. And I was like, dude, you swung, missed a punch. You're the one who had a welt around your eye. And you scratched the shit out of Jeremiah. The only thing I really do not understand about this show. So again, Jeremiah and Gus do not get along. A lot of cast members have said Jeremiah is just not close with the cast outside of the show. But none of the cast members, none of the other male cast members check Gus for his anger. Not one of them. Whereas the girls are like, Gus, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this isn't okay. But after it, like Kirk and Kodai are like, or Cody, whatever his name is, are like dapping up Gus and they're like, you got him so good. And I'm like, well, how did he get him? He scratched him. It's just insane to watch. And I know a lot of people do like Gus. I am not one of those people. 
There was also a scene where Jeremiah and Amy actually had a little bit of a heart-to-heart, and it was nice. It's nice to see this season especially that other cast members are trying to get along with Jeremiah better and giving him more of an opening to be himself, whereas Gus wants everyone to hate Jeremiah. Anyway, that is my Floribama Shore recap. There was a fight. But again, if you're not watching Floribama Shore, I highly recommend it. It is so entertaining And it's not ridiculousness. It's a little bit, I mean, it's a lot different. I'm sorry, not a little bit different. But I genuinely like the show. I like all of the cast members. Amy and Candace are my absolute favorite. I do like Jeremiah. I wish I didn't, but I'm very attracted to Jeremiah. But I can also see why people may not like him in the house. Um, I just wish Gus would stop kind of being on his high horse, being like, I had a hard life. You don't know what my life's been like. And again, as someone who did have a rougher upbringing, I'm always just like, shut the fuck up. No one wants to hear it other than a therapist. So go to therapy, man. So crack open a bottle because we're about to have some brunch. The only real thing I want to talk about is A-Rod and J-Lo. So they basically had a leak that they were going to break up. TMZ reported it. So I was like, okay, this is real. And I believe it was Friday night. And then quickly on Saturday, J-Lo and A-Rod put out a joint statement. And they were like, no, no, no. We're working through some things, but we are not broken up. We are still together. And one thing about J-Lo and A-Rod that I don't think a lot of people realize is that they are a business couple. They have a lot of businesses together. They have so many like intertwining things. And I feel like people have really rooted for these two. But let me tell you what's going to happen. Are you ready? Because sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I get things pretty right. And I feel like I'm pretty right with this. I think that J-Lo and A-Rod are going to try and work through their issues. But they're going to realize that or they've already realized they are going to not be able to get over their issues because A-Rod likes to slide into the DMs of random girls on Instagram. And I'm surprised it took this long to get out. But yeah, I do not see these two lasting. They're quote unquote working through their issues, but they are definitely gonna break up within the next two months. I don't think they'll be together by summer. So I'm putting that out there. Unfortunately, like I said, they have a lot of businesses together. They are kind of like a business couple in my opinion but they're not going to stay together. They're going to be broken up within the next two months. There is no doubt in my mind. There is no chance these two are getting married. Also, I saw a lot of people being like, well, I'm rooting for Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez to get back together. No, I hope they stay apart as well. Another random thing that is in the celebrity world at the moment, Haley Rhodes Bieber decided to make a YouTube channel and she had a video with Kendall Jenner. I actually really liked it. For some reason, I really, really like Haley Bieber. I don't know what it is about her. I don't know if it's just because she's so pretty, but I really like her and I thought the interview was fun. I thought it was a fun interview. Kendall's drunk. Kendall has been more drunk in videos lately because she's promoting a tequila brand, of course. But overall, it's a cute little like 14, 15 minute YouTube video. Just throwing that out there in case you're bored because I was very bored and I'm like, might as well watch it. In some sports news, Drew Brees has officially retired from the NFL Um, he seems like a great guy. I don't really know anything about him other than he is a good football player. So I hope that he finds his job as an announcer somewhere because I feel like that's what happens whenever people end up retiring from the NFL. Also, I noticed today is Mother's Day in England. I'm not sure if it's all of Europe, but definitely England. So happy Mother's Day to anyone in England listening. That's a mother. But I did notice this was the first year 
that Kensington Palace, so that is like the Instagram for William and Kate, put out a card to Granny Diana. And I was kind of like, is this PR or is it like truly from the heart? That was the moment where I like took a step back and I was like, obviously Kensington Palace has been getting a lot of shit since the Meghan and Harry interview. And they had to come out and say they weren't racist. They had to come out and say all this stuff. But I'm kind of curious to see how this all plays out. Obviously, the royals can deal with bad press. It's not like they've never dealt with bad press before. But I noticed that and it kind of made, you know, it was one of those moments, as I say, made my eyebrow kink a little bit, kind of like Scooby-Doo, like one ear goes up straight and you're like, huh, this is interesting. So I'm curious if they're gonna start bringing up Diana more because obviously people still very much love Princess Di and I feel like them showing these handwritten cards to Granny Diana was more of a publicity thing rather than from the heart. Obviously, I hope it's from the heart, but I just, I don't know, guys. I'm not sure if I can say that. And I know a lot of people now are saying that William was actually the one who commented on the skin tone of Archie. So just with all these different rumors circulating, it'll be interesting just to see how much more the palace kind of plays things up, so to speak. I know that William came out and said he's not racist, But we will see what happens. We'll see what happens with everything with the royal family. I really feel like this was definitely a blow that they didn't expect, really. So again, we will see what happens with that. Also, it has been announced that Tasha Adams and Kristen, Krista Bristow, Kristen? Caitlin Bristow, I'm sorry. Caitlin Bristow are going to be hosting the next season of The Bachelorette. I'm excited about it. As you guys know, I just started watching The Bachelorette and I liked Taysha a lot. Like Taysha really came in, saved the whole season for me. I tried to watch The Bachelor. I couldn't get into it. I know a lot of people are upset that Chris Harrison won't be hosting anymore, um, but I'm excited to see a change up. I don't think change is bad. And as much as Caitlin Bristow may bother me on Instagram, I think she'll make a good host. And I love Taysha. Um, So I'm really excited to see her host as well. I think that having like female hosts on The Bachelorette kind of makes sense. And maybe it'll bring a whole new dynamic to it. The Bachelor, I just, I found the new Bachelor very boring. So that's kind of why I couldn't get into it. And everyone's like, well, the girl drama. And it's like, no, I don't want to watch girl drama. (laughs) I think that's why I like The Bachelorette because it's like men making a fool of themselves rather than women. But that is what is going on in The Bachelor world. Again, a lot of people are upset. Chris Harrison is taking a season off. But I believe he's going to be back for the next season of The Bachelor. They're just giving him kind of a season off after all of the comments that have been made. And, you know, I'm excited. I mean, I am excited to see Taysha and Caitlyn host it together. We are going to support women here. So let's go, Caitlyn. Let's go, Taysha. Now, as you probably know, the Grammys were last night. I watched most of it. But again, it just kind of didn't hold my interest. I really was hoping it could be like a big concert. But Trevor Noah kind of annoyed me as a host. So I couldn't get super into it. Really excited that Taylor Swift won Album of the Year. We love that. She is the first woman to win three times over the course of her career. And of course, she's going to have a long career. Not saying her career is ending. And then Beyonce actually became the most awarded Grammy winner 
that night, which I used to, I'm going to say this, okay? Beehive, please don't come for me because I promise you I'm going to redeem myself. But I used to not be a huge Beyonce person. I was like, yeah, she's talented, but like, I can't get into it and all this stuff. And then I started to get a little angry with life and I listened to Lemonade. And let me tell you, I think there was an episode of the podcast a long time ago where I kind of shit on the album Lemonade and I was like, oh, you know, it was all PR. I still think a lot of it was PR, but anyway... I was like, oh, you know, I didn't like it, blah, blah, blah. And then I started to get angry with life, listen to Lemonade. And it was like a religious experience for me. (laughs) So I don't think Beyonce is overrated. I used to be that person who was like, yeah, she's a great performer, great singer. But then I I don't know why. I just didn't want to give her the credit where credit is due. And I am now apologizing to Beyonce because I know she listens every week. So Beyonce, I'm very sorry that I doubted you, but I get it now. And yeah, so I just wanted to put that out there. Meg The Stallion won New Artist, which is really exciting. I love her and it's funny. I know a lot of people were tweeting like, WAP can be performed on the Grammys, but we can't read Dr. Seuss. Let me tell you something, guys. You can still read Dr. Seuss. The six books that were like pulled from his collection aren't books that are really in rotation at all. You can still read One Fish, Two Fish. You can still read Go Dogs Go. But also like Cardi B and Meg The Stallion aren't children's writers. So I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> but I really like Meg the, Stall- the Stallion. She obviously had a really hard year. She got fucking shot in the foot. And I feel like a lot of people have already forgotten about it. Now she has two or three Grammys. We love that. I love that. Um, Harry Styles performed and it was very sexual. But he just, I don't know. Sometimes I have a crush on him. Sometimes I'm like, all right, dude, we get it. You want to be Mick Jagger. I see it. But again, he's not someone who I say like he wasn't, he's not talented or something. Clearly he's extremely talented and he won some Grammys last night. One thing that really, really made me mad is Selena was supposed to be honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award and it was like three seconds long. If you blinked, you missed it. And in my opinion, Selena is one of the most incredible artists. I know she did Tejano music, but I feel like she also opened the door for so many like pop acts as well. Like they didn't have to just sing Spanish. She was such a crossover artist who paved the way for so many people. And to this day, I feel like she still doesn't get enough credit. And the fact that the Grammys just like made her a blip on the screen, made me so furious. I was trying to think of like what else stood out to me. I know everyone's freaking out about Harry and Taylor saying hi to one another. You guys know I think that was a PR relationship. They both, I think Troy, when we did the Dunzo podcast, we were talking about it and he was like, he owes his solo career to Taylor. And I agree to that to a point, but obviously Harry can hold his own. Like he's very talented. I just think that stunt really helped them both out. Let me just put it that way. I'm trying to think. I feel like Miranda Lambert, okay, Miranda Lambert won and performed. And I'm a big Miranda Lambert fan. I like her a lot. Maren Morris performed. She always does great. I think Maren has such an incredible voice. Also, I know earlier this episode, I talked about how sexual Bruno Mars is. And I know that I could like fit him in my pocket, but I am so attracted to Bruno Mars. I don't know what it is. He's just so like sexy and smooth in his music. I'm like, all right, Versace on the floor. Let's fucking go, Bruno. I think I'm like seven inches taller than you, but that's totally fine. I do love Bruno Mars. Some of his songs have been like annoying in the past. Like what's that lazy day song? But then he has songs like Versace on the floor and 
it just kind of balances out for me. So that's really all I have for the Grammys. I know it's not a great review or anything, but I feel like a lot of people are just sick of award shows in general. And it makes me sad because I used to love them. But I will say I think it was a lot better than the Golden Globes. And again, that might just be because I like music better than I like watching TV. So I think they did a good job and they did their distancing and I know they all had to like quarantine before the Grammys. Post Malone did a good job and I'm not like a huge Post Malone fan, but I thought he did a really good job and sometimes I'm attracted to him and I don't know what that says about me, but I'm just gonna leave it at that. The only other thing I wanted to cover is Wow from Jersey Shore is officially engaged to her boyfriend who must be like 26, but everyone calls him 24. Something about him gives me the heebie-jeebies. I can't explain it. I really feel like they're going to get married, they're going to get divorced, and he's going to like sell some crazy ass story about her. Could be totally wrong. I hope I am wrong, but Wow, watch out, girl. Now, before I get into this episode of The Hills, I wanted to give an update on Lo Bosworth. She actually shared a story on her Instagram and it's a really long caption, so I'm, I am going to read it. Um, if you guys don't want to listen, I suggest you fast forward like 15 seconds. But the caption says, Two years ago in March, I suffered a traumatic brain injury I didn't tell you guys about. I was at a restaurant in Lower Manhattan, and while sitting in a banquet, one of the swinging kitchen doors fall off its hinges onto my head. I was in the hospital and suffered a moderate to severe concussion for months. I took weeks off work and the road to recovery was long. I remember visiting a friend a few weeks later and feeling totally lost on 3rd Avenue and 21st Street, not knowing which direction to walk in. I still struggle to recall words from time to time. Then I found out I had mononucleosis on top of all that. I didn't tell you guys that. One day I had to put my head down on my desk at work because of sheer exhaustion and fell asleep. I laid in bed for months and months whenever I could while continuing to work full-time at Love Wellness. Long story short, one of the reasons I've been so committed to healthy eating and fitness since the pandemic started is because it took a full year from the head injury plus mono for me to be in a place where I could even consider exercising regularly. This post is dedicated to my health and your health, precious and sometimes taken for granted. If you have it, take advantage of it. All my love. Now, Lo is a very, very private person since Laguna in the Hills ended. She has, I mean, I guess she hasn't been super private. Like, she's done podcasts and stuff like that. But, I mean, opening up like this, I guess I should say. I was shocked when I read that. And I think it's really important for people who do have, like, a platform to talk about stuff like that. I mean, I don't have nearly as big of a platform as low, but I try and talk about my psoriasis, try and talk about how I get embarrassed, just because it's important for people to know they're not alone in certain things. And I feel like people who get head injuries, like I had a concussion once and it lasted for about three weeks and people didn't believe me. After week one, they were like, oh, like you should be done with it. Like you took your Vicodin or whatever they gave me to help with the pain. And I was kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. But I feel like people just don't talk about that stuff unless it is a head injury 
from say like a car accident or something, but this was like a freak accident. A door fell on her head. And I am sure that people said to her, you know, you're making it up. Maybe not, maybe not just like that, but in a way I bet that she has heard that a bunch. So I hope Lo has a speedy recovery. It sounds like she's doing a lot better. It sounds like she still has struggles. But again, I think opening up about it is really incredible that she did that. Because if you read the comments on that post, a lot of people are like, I also have had a head injury and, you know, I think it's great you're using your platform. So I have to give a cheers to Lo for that one. And I hope she continues to, you know, recover and keeps being a boss ass bitch because that's what we love. But yeah, I just want to talk about that really quick in case you missed it on Instagram. Oh, and also some people were like commenting on my post being like, I'm sorry that happened to her, but I still hated how she acted on the hills. Not the time, not really the time to say that. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, I don't think Lo will like read the comments on my page, but she might. And you know, that's just not the time in my opinion. Now let's get right into the episode of the hills that we're going to cover Season four, episode seven, it is called When Lauren's Away. As always, how do we start the episode? You know how we start the episode. Previously on The Hills. Things got bad since moving in with Audrina, but Lauren and Audrina, <laughs> no, she says, but me and Audrina have patched things up. And then we are reminded about Doug because Doug hasn't really like been in our thoughts for a little bit. She's like, Doug and I tried, but it didn't work out. And everyone was still telling me not to trust Stephanie. And I was starting to realize, Maybe they were right. The episode starts with Lauren packing and Audrina's in the bedroom and Lauren, we find out that Lauren is going to Italy with the family. Lo walks in, she goes, I'm jealous of your vacay, but me and Audrina will have fun though. Yeah, me and Lo will have bonding time. And we of course see Audrina make like a really weird, bizarre face as she does. But the girls end up walking out and Lauren throws her luggage into the back of the convertible. And before she goes, we hear Audrina say, email us and keep us updated. And then Lo says, have fun without me. And then we see Lauren drive off into the distance for her Italy vacation with her family. I guess I should have said Italian vacation with her family. But we all know that while Lauren's away, people are gonna play. Now the very next scene, we see Stephanie walking up to Audrina and the Lauren's house. And Stephanie's like, hey, it's Stephanie, cause she hits the buzzer. Um, Lauren's not here. Audrina's like, please do not come into this house if Lauren's not here. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to talk to you, Steph says. Um, yeah, let me buzz you in. And Audrina seems beyond confused at this point, as we all are. I'm sure the first time I watched it, I was like, why the fuck is Stephanie there? What is she up to? Especially because Lauren told us she, we weren't going to be able to trust her. But Steph walks right in and compliments Audrina's tan. And Audrina's like, yeah, I've just been laying out with mojitos all day. And then Audrina's like, yeah, Lo and I have been hanging out while Lauren's gone. So it's good that there has been bonding between other Lauren, Lo, of course, is who I mean, and Audrina. So things aren't as tense in the house as they were two episodes ago. Steph then asks if anyone's talked to Lauren and Audrina says no one's talked to Lauren. She's in Italy without a phone, but Lo and her have sent emails, just haven't gotten a response yet. Steph then drops the Doug date bomb that we've been waiting for. And the look that Audrina gives her, Steph just goes, no eyebrow lift. And Audrina tells her to wait until Lauren's back before making a decision. How would she even find out? Stephanie asks. I don't know. I'd just be careful. Audrina's like, I promise you she'll find out. Lauren will find out anything she wants. I promise. 
but Stephanie doesn't seem to care and she wants to go on this date with Doug. Will she or won't we? I guess we have to wait and find out. The next scene, we are at Bolt House, and I swear that this scene is less than one minute long. It is one of the fastest scenes I've ever seen on any television show ever. But Heidi sits down with Kimberly, and they're putting together a fun event. We're not sure exactly what it is, but Kimberly says there's going to be a half pipe. So we're going to assume that it's with skateboarders. And Heidi's quickly like, I want to bring Spencer. And then she's like, I'm in a rut. We're always home. We need to go out more. I'm going to go out with him tonight too. And Kimberly's like, okay, have fun. Bye. <laughs> and that is really the scene. I wish it was longer. I wish there was more I could tell you about it, but that is it. And then of course we have like the random shots of people walking down uh, Hollywood Boulevard. And then we get a quick glimpse at Fred Siegel, which was so iconic in the early 2000s. When I think about early 2000s pop culture, I always think of Fred Siegel. And I used to want to go there so bad. I don't even know if it's still open. But after that quick Fred Siegel shot, I was sure that we were going to get a clip of people shopping there. But no, we have a Lo and Audrina lunch. And Lo asks about Justin. She doesn't call him Justin Bobby. So she's trying to show some respect. I mean, he apologized and I got over it. Of course you did, Audrina. Of course you got over it. And then Lo's like, you're at the age where you just have to make decisions for yourself. And Audrina completely agrees with her. And then Audrina says they should go to Goa. And Lo's like, I haven't been there in weeks. I would love to go to Goa. And Lo agrees. And then Audrina drops the Stephanie and Doug bomb. Now, let's be clear. Stephanie did not go to Lowe for a reason. Number one, Lowe is Lauren's best friend. Lowe ride or die for Lauren during the hills. And there is no chance that Lowe would have been as kind as Audrina was. So no shit, Stephanie went to Audrina rather than to Lowe. But Lowe is shook by this. She actually says it. She goes, I am shook. Actually, I think she says it later in the episode, but whatever. She's like, she kind of goes off about it and she's like, you know, they dated and all this stuff and they both agree that you don't date a friend's ex. And I feel like those are just the rules of feminism. The very next scene, we're at Goa. It's very quick. This episode goes by very quick. There's a lot of scenes. There's a lot of changes in the scenes, but they're all kind of like short, except for Doug and Steph's date. But anyway, we are at Goa and Lo and Audrina get a table and they're partying. They're excited. They have a table to themselves. But who walks in? Spidey walks in. You know production's working like extra hard now that Lauren's out of the picture for a few, for probably a week. They're probably like, we need to get Spencer and Heidi around these girls as much as possible because we can't do it if Lauren's around. But Lowe spots them first and then Heidi sits and they're like almost back to back with one another. And Heidi just goes, I want to say hi to Audrina. So Heidi gets up and Audrina goes, here they come. And Lowe goes, oh, they're right here. <laughs> But Audrina and Heidi hug. Lo ignores Heidi completely. Then Audrina kind of jumps into a deep conversation. She's like, me and you were really good friends when I first met you. And Heidi says, we had so much fun. It was always us out. That's what I always say. Heidi kind of ends with that. And then Audrina mentions, and then Audrina mentions Doug asking Stephanie out and how Stephanie wants to go. You know, Audrina loves being like the keeper of this tea because she wants to talk about it. She wants to tell everybody about this. That's just psycho to me. I heard about Doug when I went to Laguna. That was her high school sweetheart. That was her Doug, is what Heidi says. No, her high school sweetheart was Stephen Coletti. I don't care how fake it was. That was her high school sweetheart, even though he was dating somebody else and not interested in her. Okay, Heidi, let's get that straight. But Lo visibly like hates everything that's happening and hates that Heidi's there. And then, 
Heidi quickly goes, I would never do that to a friend. I would never do that. There's a hundred million guys in the city. Why not date one of them? This is still Heidi going off. Cause again, Heidi is trying to become friends again with the crew because she's probably sick of only filming with Stephanie, Holly, and Spencer. But Heidi then invites Audrina and Justin to an X Games party that Bolthouse is throwing. And Audrina's like, yeah, I'll definitely go. Okay, that, that escalated quickly, but it looks like Audrina is no longer mad at Heidi and they're gonna be friends. The next scene, we're at the Spidey apartment and Stephanie joins Spencer in the living room. And Stephanie's like, what are you doing? And Spencer just kind of looks at her and she goes, you don't know anything? I know nothing. I don't have my ears to the streets anymore, is what he says to her. She ends up telling him about Doug and Spencer's like, Elsie is gonna flip out when she finds out. And Stephanie doesn't seem to think that. She's like, why would she be mad at me? And Spencer's quickly like, listen, she's going to cut you out of her life. So you better be prepared and you better make sure that Doug is the best date you've ever had your whole entire life. The very next scene, we jump to the X Games party and it's very much Justin Bobby and Audrina's scene. And it's actually funny. Justin's outfit, I mean, the pictures from this party are all over the internet. Justin is wearing like a plaid, a red plaid button down shirt. And then he's wearing a hat that says hooligans on the inside of the brim, but the brim is completely like flipped up. It's quite the look, I will say that. But Spidey are taking a selfie. Spencer ends up like looking at Justin, trying to be a bro. He's like, have you seen Batman? It should have been called Joker. Yeah, it should have just been called Joker. (laughs) And of course he's talking about the Dark Knight because let's be clear, Heath Ledger did an incredible job in that movie and it should have been called the Joker. He's not wrong there. I agree with Spencer. But Audrina asks Heidi about Steph and Doug again. Again, Audrina just loves talking about this because she's like, Lauren's going to be so mad and I cannot wait to watch it all happen. But Heidi says, she's like, I don't know. This is the most I've talked to anybody about it. And Audrina just seems nervous. She seems very on edge. Again, she's hanging out with Lauren's mortal enemies. And then she also knows that Stephanie's going on a date with Doug. Audrina has a lot on her shoulders right now, that's for sure. Heidi just kind of looks at Audrina and she goes, does Lauren trust Stephanie? And Audrina goes, yeah, she does. And then Heidi again admits to saying things about Lauren that she shouldn't have, but now she's an adult and they should move on. So again, Heidi's kind of admitting that she did spread those rumors. She might not outright say it, but she's mentioned this a few episodes where she's like, yeah, you know, I said a lot of mean things. Okay, what did you say then? What did you say? I want to know exactly. And it's actually interesting because somebody in the Facebook group was like, a lot of people say Jason is the one who spread the rumor. And I think Jason had something to do with it. I think he probably told Spencer or Heidi, but I don't think that he was the one who went to the press about it, just saying. But anyway, back to the X Games party, Heidi ends up telling Audrina that she's always here for her. She's like, I am always here for you no matter what. And now we are at the Doug and Steph date. They hug, Doug goes, you look so pretty. And then Stephanie goes, did you tell Brody? No. And then he's like, did you tell Lauren? No, she's in Italy, I can't talk to her. She doesn't have her phone. And it's awkward. It's definitely like a setup date that production was like, this is gonna be good for drama. And I almost wonder if, what's that movie, like The Truman Show, where everybody was in on it but Lauren? But it's awkward, like I said. And then Brody's mom, the iconic Linda Thompson, shows up with Taylor Armstrong from Real Housewives. I believe Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but I could be incorrect. And Linda asks if she's crashing a date. 
And Stephanie's like, no, 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 we're just friends. We're just friends. And Doug agrees. And Doug's like, yeah, I talked to you on the phone, on Brody's phone. She's like, oh, you're the Doug. And it's just a very awkward scene. But after Brody's mom leaves, that's when the scene ends. Now we are at Epic Records. And Audrina and Kiara have to catch up because Kiara hasn't been around for a few episodes. And they take a seat. And Audrina ends up talking about her and Lo and they're bonding. She's like, I really like that we're bonding. And then she talks about the X Games party. And she's like, yeah, I saw Spidey, but things are fine. And then, <laughs> and then she has to talk about Steph and Doug. Because Audrina is beyond shooketh about this whole thing. And Kiara's kind of like, there's plenty of guys. Stephanie can date someone that's not Lauren's fling. Honestly, I want to find Kiara and I want her on this fucking podcast. Kiara seems like she's on our wavelength. I feel like I would get along with Kiara. She would definitely be my work wife as well. I would go more Kiara than Whitney. I have to admit that. But then Audrina just goes, it's crazy all of this is happening while Lauren's gone. And I feel like they use that as a voice over for the season when Kristen showed up and I could be totally wrong saying that there's honestly a part of me I'm like I feel like they said that in the reboot but they would not dare utter Lauren's name that's for sure but I know that they have used that sound clip more than just in this scene and when I find it I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guys know now as I said this episode moves very quick so I don't even know how long Lauren was gone to be totally honest I feel like it could have been three days by how fast she's already back. But yep, Lauren's back and Lo and Lauren hug, her and Audrina hug. And just so everybody knows, Lauren left Italy two days early. She's like, I kind of saw all I could see in Italy. And both Lo and Audrina, they're like, why the fuck aren't you still in Italy? We were having so much fun. But Lo asks, how are the boys in Italy? And she's like, you know how you walk past a construction site and all the boys whistle at you? Well, Italy is like a construction site. And the girls just kind of like laugh it off. And then she goes, so what did I miss? And Lo talks about Goa and how Spidey said hi and how they were like sitting against Audrina. And Audrina's kind of like, oh my God, please don't tell them that like I talked to them. But Audrina then says that her and Justin met up with them the following night at the X Games thing. Lauren makes a face. She doesn't say anything, but she definitely does not look super pleased about the fact that Audrina hung out with Spidey, but she's biting her tongue. You can tell she's trying to be like quiet about it. And Lo says, surprise, very shook. <laughs> Again, that's when she says shook. And I'm like, Lo is the first person who said shook. I'm no doubt about that. I don't know what the vocab was in vocab. I don't know what the vocabulary was in California, but Dunzo shook. I mean, come on. These people, innovators. And then Lauren goes, so what else did I miss? And Audrina has been waiting for this moment. You know that she has been waiting to drop this bomb. And now guess what? She gets to drop the bomb that she's been waiting for. Audrina talks about Doug and Steph and how she asked for advice. She's like, yeah, she came over and like asked for advice. And I, I basically told her, I told her if she had to ask me, it's probably not a, not a good idea. And Lo just goes, he has to be trying to make you jealous. That's a good friend, right? That's a good friend when they're like, oh, he's just doing this to make you jealous. Don't even, don't even pay this any mind. <laughs> and then Audrina's like, I told her I wouldn't go there if I was you. And I don't know if Audrina said that. I feel like Audrina just kind of like awkwardly laughed her way through the whole conversation with Steph because she hated every single second of Steph being in that house without Lauren there. And again, Lauren just looks bummed. Like one thing about Lauren is she definitely wears her expressions on her face. Like there's no hiding how she feels. And you can tell that she is not super pleased with the whole 
Steph and Doug situation. Not at all, actually. The very next scene, which is the last scene, Lauren and Brody are going on a little dinner date as they do. They love their dinner dates. That is a very Lauren and Brody thing to do together. And again, I know this recap isn't super long, but it was such like a quick episode. I think it was like 18 minutes. And I just want to say like the scenes were really quick and I did my best to like talk about them the best I could. So I apologize that this isn't like the most super in-depth recap just because all the scenes were just fast. And I wouldn't say there was a ton of conversation other than the Audrina and Heidi scene at Goa. But back to the dinner date, Lauren and Brody talk about Italy for literally a second. Lauren's like, I had so much fun. And then Brody just goes, I heard some things happen while you were away. What happened while I was away, Brody? I wanna, I wanna look you in the eyes and say, I told you so. That's what I wanna do right now. Okay, Brody, we know, we get it, we get it, we know. Then Brody drops the Doug T. He goes, yeah, you know, I was trying to get Doug to come out with us. And he was like, oh, I have a business date. I have a business dinner. And then, and then I'll meet up with you. And Lauren's like, he called it a business dinner. So that should have been like a red flag way back in the day where like, he was just doing this for business, right? Like the Hills production team was like, you're gonna take Stephanie Pratt on a date. And he's like, I don't wanna take her on a date. And they were like, it's for business and you get a paycheck. And then Brody calls him and he's like, yeah, I got a business date guys. I don't know what to tell you. But Brody then breaks the news that his mom is the one who walked in on them having a date. And Lauren thinks that's funny. Lauren does laugh at that. But he's like, yeah, dude, my mom's the one who saw them together or else I would have had no idea. Again, because Brody tells all the stories, right? Like Lauren wanted to talk about Italy and he's like, no, we're not talking about a, a probably incredible vacation with your family. Sorry, sorry, Lauren. So as their food comes, Brody looks at her and she go, he goes, are you pissed off? Yeah. She went behind your back. You don't think it was wrong of Doug? At least Lauren does try and see that side. I mean, again, the way I always put it, it's like when her and um, Heidi got in that fight, they were young. They were, what, 20, 21? Now they're a little bit older. They're 23, a little wiser, not much wiser, but a little bit. And then fucking Brody says, I think guys will be guys, but Stephanie's supposed to be one of your best friends. And Lauren just kind of nods her head. She does that like jaw clench, like nod her head looking at Brody. And he just goes, she's shady. I told you she's shady. And that is how the episode ends with Brody Jenner gloating over the fact that Lauren's upset and he can tell her, I told you so. But we can't trust Stephanie. We really can't. They tried to warn us. They tried to warn us about Steph and we were just like, no. We are gonna trust Stephanie and that is that. But that is this week's episode of The Hills. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Coming up next is the interview with Nick Thomas from The Spill Canvas. I did add, at the very end, you'll hear something like fade in and it's a little clip of him and I before we even started the interview. And I am a fangirl until the end of time. I will always be a fangirl. I'm never gonna act like I'm not a fangirl. And I just thought it was like a cute little moment. So I decided to keep it in because I feel like my mom might listen to the interview. So yeah, so that is why I did that. I hope you guys have an awesome rest of your week. And again, I apologize that the Hills recap was a bit short. It was just such a, it's a quick episode. There wasn't, there was a lot that happened but it was like quick scenes. So next week, there will be a new episode. I am flying home, but I do plan on recording at least one episode while I'm home. And yeah, I hope you guys like the interview with Nick from the Spill Canvas. All right, guys, I am so excited. I have the lead singer of the Spill Canvas, Nick Thomas, here with us. If you're not familiar, they have the song 
all over you the tide my personal favorite all hail the heartbreaker their music's been featured on the hills one tree hill so thank you so much for coming on thank you thank you so much for having me kelly um it's truly an honor i am yeah i'm just stoked to be able to do this and um get to you in time <laughs> So you guys just released a new album ca called Conduit. I had to keep like say that word so many times. Oh, <laughs> You're all good. You're good. Yes, so we did. And this is your first album since 2012. Is that right? That is correct. It is. Uh, it has been a long, long time. Uh, needless to say, um, so many things um, happening in life. And, you know, with the band, personally, the band, uh, has seen uh, two members leave uh, to, to do the family thing and they were kind of uh, ready to be done. And they had been at it with me for like 10 years. So yeah, I mean, we saw that happen. And then I had a lot of personal uh, struggles that I was going through um, in, a, you know, in addition, if not mainly like addiction stuff that I was dealing with. So it was a long break, but we're back and it feels, man, it feels so surreal because it came out a week ago yesterday, the new uh, Conduit did, the new album. And yeah, it feels really good, um, but surreal. It's just a very surreal experience that I'm in right now. <laughs> so what inspired you to start making music again? I know I'm sure you never stopped making music, but putting out a full album. Yeah. I mean, there was a time for sure that I, that I was not uh, making a lot of music, I guess for, you know, I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean to get, so I'm just such an open book. I have no filter. Please so I apologize go ahead. For get, <laughs> I apologize for getting so deep so quick, but I was, I basically came to the realization that I was uh, an opiate addict and specifically a heroin addict. So I was um, like intravenously, you know, heroin. And that really took the wind out of my sails as far as songwriting goes. So there was a small period of time where I was not like my motor functions just weren't even going. And mm -hmm. um, there was that brief period of time when, uh, you know, within the heroin addiction, I was going to a methadone clinic and that stuff, it was very helpful, but I also like that stuff. Like it, you're like, you're kind it's just a different version of, um, you know, being super high. And so it's like, I wasn't really able to function and write music. And to be honest, like I wasn't even in the right, I didn't want to write mm -hmm. music. Like I was, there was a very immediate uh, battle that I had to kind of conquer, which was the, the opiate, because that's all you think about, you know, um, when you're in the grips of that type of heavy addiction and I mean, particularly opiates. And so that just like took over my brain. But, you know, needless to say, like, I, I think that the long time away from the music industry and away from music and like, I mean, I, I wouldn't wish that type of addiction on anyone, but uh, like even my, you know, my worst enemy or whatever, but it's, I'm also very thankful for having gone through it. I mean, I'm still, you can't really, I mean, from what I, the way I learned it uh, in recovery is like, you're not, I'm not, I'm always going to be an opiate addict. Like, mm -hmm. 
Like, I mean, that's never going to go away. It's been, gosh, I don't know how many years. It's been, it's been years, um, you know, since, since I had last, had, had relapsed last and like, it's, it's always on your mind. So, you know, writing the music for the new album was something that was like echoing for a long time after we took that hiatus and I had to like try to get better. Um, I was thinking, okay, I'll just quick get over this <laughs> and like just be right back at it, which was not the case. And uh, two of them, like I said, two of the members were like, I'd rather just do some family stuff and really focus on other stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I forgot what your original question was. <laughs> Sorry. No, um, it's fine. It's fine. I was just asking, you know, why now? But I think you really answered it. Clear head. Yeah. Clear head. Clear head. Um, <laughs> that's right. Uh, what we what had happened is in 2015 or 2016, we got a we got like this call from Motion City Soundtrack, the band Motion City Soundtrack, mm -hmm. and they were doing a 10 year anniversary of their album Commit This to Memory, uh, which was put out in 2006, I think. Yeah, so it's 16, maybe. Um, or 15, I can't remember. Uh, but so we had, they had asked us to be the opening to play Spill Canvas, you know, uh, be the support as Spill Canvas. I was just starting to dip my toe in and do like my solo project stuff, which was just like Nick Thomas, like mm -hmm. stuff. But it was just all old Spill Canvas songs that we didn't use. So it really wasn't anything like crazy different. And it was still just it sounded like spill cameras, but you know, when they offered us that tour, it had kind of like, we had originally toured that, that record with them when it first came out, you know, 10 years ago. So that's why they reached out to us. It would be kind of following this theme of this anniversary thing. This was during when all those bands started doing that, these mm -hmm. 10 year anniversaries of these albums and they would tour it. Maybe they weren't a band anymore. Some of them aren't still, but you know, we certainly were, on this kind of indefinite hiatus that withered out into like not being in a band. It was like so tempting and we wanted to get on the road as Spill Canvas and we were like, let's for sure do it. So we did that tour and then we thought to ourselves, well, we have a record coming or a 10 year anniversary coming up for our second record, One Fell Swoop. And that was like, that prompted us to um, be like, okay, could we just do this and get some new members uh, like a new drummer and a new lead player to, mm. you know, to do this kind of anniversary thing. And that's where uh, the new, like, like we can do new music now. That's where that first notion started to rattle around in my head personally, as well as just the band collectively was like, well, there's still fans coming out and seeing these shows. I mean, they were very successful tours for us these anniversary tours we did two 10-year anniversary tours for two albums no really i'm fine and one fell swoop and then we did a 15-year anniversary tour for sunsets and car crashes the first record mm -hmm. and which makes me makes me feel so old and i <laughs> in the weirdest way because i'm still like oh i'm just a child still like and I've, i should feel like more of an adult but yeah i that was the first inkling of we can do this. We can write new music. We should write new music into like full fledged. Let's write new music and put it out. And yeah, that. So basically, that leads us up to today, as far as like the 
how it came to be anyway. Well, that's awesome. And thank you so much for opening up about addiction. One thing I actually talk about, I have a lot of addicts in my family. So I really oh, appreciate yes. you opening up about yeah. that. Of course. I mean, I have to in a way, cause it's like, that's part of the uh, staying on top of it is like putting it out in the open um, because, you know, you're talking about it and stuff. I, I don't, I myself don't particularly attend um, meetings or any, you know, anything like that anymore. I, I took, I definitely did for a long period of time. I took what I needed from them. Um, and I think they're super helpful. And, um, you know, just the, to, if you're following the 12 step program, which is, you know, I think, is I mean that's kind of the standard universal one but I know there's a lot of different ways to do sobriety and and recovery but I I feel it's important to say those things because anyone that's listening to the band you know if I could be an advocate in any way towards breaking down any stigma regarding addiction and and like you know it's it's non-discriminatory it can affect anybody from any walk of life it does not matter it is um you know it's just like it's part of my it's part of my spiel that I I'll definitely talk about it a lot on stage Mm -hmm. um back when touring was was a thing (laughs) but um yeah well I I mean I I appreciate that uh I mean so you get it you know the addict brain (laughs) yeah yeah for sure um (laughs) So a little bit of a pivot. I was looking up, yeah. you know, Spill Canvas, how you guys got your start. And I think I was kind of shocked that your first label you signed to was Brad from LFO, Brad Fischetti. <laughs> Good old Brad Fischetti. Did you know yes. he was Brad from LFO when you met him or? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, knew, okay. I knew like, I knew like, like when he reached out to me the first time, like, I don't know if it was just an email or MySpace or what, but I had had a few songs up on, excuse me, up on MySpace as well as mp3.com. And he had just reached out and was like, I love this stuff. Uh, I have this label I'm starting called 111 Records. I'm based out of Orlando. I would love to like, just fly you down, you know, and talk to you and just see what you think. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, (laughs) he's gonna fly me down. Like, this is crazy. And he had, he did mention, you know, his his experience in the music industry being one of the group members of LFO, the, the classic boy band LFO. Yeah. And I was like, that is so crazy. And also just I still keep in touch with Brad, actually. And it is still so bizarre to me <laughs> in like the coolest way. Like he is such a uh low-key uh very like that was he was just um I mean he like he he takes like the there's jokes there's a lot of jokes going on like not not like making fun of him but just poking fun at his scenario because he has great taste in music his during the heyday of of 111 records I mean there's a lot of great bands and um musicians that are kind of like you know, I definitely consider them to be family, even though we, we haven't spoken to some of them in, in quite a while. But, you know, there's there's an amazing group of a roster that he developed. But yeah, Brad Fischetti flew me down to Orlando and 
I was like, yeah, sure. Like, of course I let's go, let's do it. And he just gave me a lot of artistic, like he, there was no, like, I also didn't know what record labels did except for pay for the record, you mm -hmm. know? So it was a lot of learning process for me as well as for him. But yeah, I mean, he was awesome and I think he did a really great job. I mean, 111 Records was where we put out our second record, One Fell Swoop, mm -hmm. which ended up being a really great record for us because we, it was the first full band record where I had, you know, taken on like fleshed out the full rock band feel that I wanted and added these members that were, you know, just made it the sound so much different. But also Brad Fischetti himself was the one that kind of worked out the deal to get it uh one fell soup put out on to a label they called it like an incubator um in conjunction with 111 records it was on this thing called east west which was this incubator for uh warner brothers and that's how we got what they called back then i don't know if they still do uh we got upstreamed to warner brothers after okay. the success of one fell swoop so that's how we came to be on Warner Brothers or Sire um, uh, in 2006. So yeah, I love Brad. He's, he's amazing. <laughs> I just, I he's loved so cool. that so much. Cause obviously yeah. LFO, I loved them. Um, <laughs> how fundamental was MySpace and your success do you think? Because obviously that's where I found out about Spill Canvas, but then you also put, you know, like Motion City soundtrack um, cute yeah. is what we aim for. All of those, yeah. quote unquote, MySpace bands. How fundamental yeah. was that for you guys? I mean, it was so clutch because that was the, because it was like, uh, there was another platform called Friendster. Uh, okay, that was yeah, I do also, remember that. Uh, It was out a little bit before. Uh, it wasn't as popular as MySpace, but MySpace was like where I found out about like uh say anything the band mm -hmm. say anything which is just like so crazy to think about because it's it's it was just such a crazy wild feeling in time because it was this new tool it was like there was websites and there was like email and there was like aol instant messenger like myspace was like this whole like it's like the the birth of like the you know widespread social media Mm -hmm. And I think it was vital to like promoting our tours and our shows where like, you know, we would go play Buffalo, New York to like hundred kids. And then through MySpace, like promoting the tours through MySpace, like that next time we came to Buffalo, it was like 200 kids or like maybe the club sells out the and it's like 350 kids or something, you know? And um, it was the first time I definitely saw like, the the internet and like particularly social media which was myspace mm -hmm. um being like oh this is like part of how we gain momentum you know yeah and then it just all started to pick up quite rapidly exponentially after that with like facebook coming along and stuff like that so yeah it's wild it's wild to think about but i loved myspace yeah i loved myspace yeah <laughs> weird. i can't even really I know Tom, remember, or there's Tom, right? Tom, mm -hmm. Tom, where he's like turning, he's like looking back at the camera. <laughs> yeah, he was everybody's friend. <laughs> he's everyone's friend, Tom. So you guys did Warp Tour. And I feel like for me, I knew I was like 
an older teen when I was allowed to go to warp tour by myself well with friends mm-hmm. of course not with parents how sure, much fun sure. was warp tour because it seems like it was just a lot of artists coming together to support one another and just kind of have fun for yeah. the summer it it is I mean it it, it was um we had we did all of warp tour in 2007 mm-hmm. the whole thing and then the two previous years 2006 and 2005 we had done uh like a week like a block like a week of dates on okay. a specific stage and that was like hell i <laughs> i didn't really like doing just the week because that means you're i mean typically um if you're just doing the week and you're a band of art, we weren't all, we were also like a smaller size. So we didn't have the budget to get some like RV or camper. So we're just in a, like a 15 or whatever, 15 passenger van. And there's no dressing room. There's no, so you're just sitting in a van in the AC until you have to play, which is a lottery every day. So you wake up or you get there and you have no idea when you're playing so Mm -hmm. that's kind of fun actually but it was the best tour like touring experience I think I've ever been a part of after the fact I think a month in when we did the whole 2007 run um like a month in it's like it's like beating you down because it's like it's just you there's you don't know when you're playing and sometimes you like maybe drank too much the night before. I mean, we were like in our early twenties. So we mm-hmm. were just like, just going. And that one that we were on was sponsored by Pabst Blue Ribbon, um, which, so you got like a free beer every like morning with your free case of water. Right. And so like, you're, I mean, we're just like, and we're on like a bus and we're in our mid twenties and we're just, it's like, it's a true like circus party on wheels and I got to see like some of my all-time favorite bands were on the whole thing as well I got to watch Coheed and Cambria every day I got to watch Circus Survive every day there was also like Kill Switch Engage uh, which is an incredible metal band that I uh, I loved watching. Uh, Under Oath was on that one. Like it was just Paramore was on. They, Misery Business had just come out. And so they were just like mm-hmm. enormous. And it was so cool to watch these, but also like great, you know, so many acts that I can't even really remember. It's a <laughs> bit of a haze, but it's it was the best thing I ever did, like did touring wise after like it was done because there's this moment when you're like it's cool I mean these are like champagne problems like it's cool to be like I'm tired from this I'm sunburnt I'm tired and I don't like I don't know because there's a lot of clicks on Warp Tour there's this click there's that click and you don't we we're just like we were just like whoever wants to hang like we were very (laughs) midwestern you know Mm -hmm. like was just like we're from south dakota all of this is cool like you're nice you're nice and uh but so we didn't really we just kind of had our own thing and floated from you know other bus to other bus and got to meet some of my idols and just it was so surreal but again champagne problems that you are exhausted with the it's a circus on wheels you know and you're a part of it but it, it's it's so much fun. 
I could I would not have taken it back or done it any different. I would I would definitely not change a thing. By far one of the best touring experiences I've ever had. What is your favorite song to perform? Oh my gosh. I mean, I guess ask this here and there. I, I think that the best answer is like probably a collection or a handful of the most well-known tunes. Like I'm most stoked on like our new record, but touring's not a thing. I haven't even played some of those songs that are on Conduit um, since I recorded them. So I don't even, I have to like practice. Like <laughs> there's just, um, there's no, unfortunately, there's just no reason to at this current juncture. It's not like I can't play them, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, I have to just kind of relearn them and everything. But the, I'd say the best songs are the ones with the most, or the most fun to perform are the ones with the most crowd participation. So like a song like Polygraph right now from One Fell Swoop that starts with the chorus and just the guitar and like the cymbals counting off, you know, and those are the moments I can like hit the chord and start like fade is in and then I can lean back and from the mic and like, and then everyone's uh, the whole, all the crowd is singing along, you know, and it's just like the most overwhelmingly uh, just humbling, like, that feeling of not having to sing and the other people singing uh i mean the crowd singing the song like that you wrote those lyrics they're connecting in their own way entirely but they're like louder than than like the music you know it's just that's never gotten old to me so i'd say polygraph right now or all held the heartbreaker is a big one um like the tide is fun to pl- we do like a full band version of it just the parts where the crowd participation can come into play those are i wouldn't i couldn't pick one i really couldn't <laughs> so that's actually the perfect segue i put up a questionnaire people wanted to know and a lot of people asked about the tide and i feel like mm. listening to it you can take it a lot of different ways but when you were writing that song what did you have in mind or were you kind of hoping people would just create the story on their own? Uh, I, th- I think I was a little bit of, uh, I was definitely like partly hoping they would take the story and make it connect with them in whatever way they felt and, and how, you know, it ended or evolved. They can take it for what it was. I personally was just, I had wanted to be towards the end of like while I was a senior in high school, I wanted to do music, but I wanted to maybe be a short story writer of some kind. Okay. And I really loved, um, like I, my dad listened to this, uh, this artist, Jim Croce uh, from the seventies, this like singer songwriter. Um, He's amazing he's absolutely incredible but he like that singer songwriter vibe from the 70s that I like had ingrained in my my DNA as a growing up as a kid and then getting into music myself into writing it it was like they told stories like they were storytellers and like so I really wanted to and I wrote the tide when I I wrote it when I was 19 okay so I just graduated high school and I just wanted to I was like, what can I think, like, what's a crazy, what could I fit into like a three minute song, you know, or whatever. It's actually quite a little longer than that. (laughs) But I, looking back, 
I didn't even realize how much I related to the characters. Um, each child, Veda, Veronica, and Dade, those three children, how much I related to each of their kind of each of their stories that is kind of abstractly depicted in each verse. I related to them. I thought I was just writing. It was some cerebral just it comes out and I realized, oh, I'm I I like feel that way and I feel that way. As I've gotten older, I've realized that. (laughs) But um, yeah, like just having a, uh, you know, an estranged, kind of like an estranged, rough relationship with a mother who isn't quite there. That was kind of what was happening between my mother and I. And so I realized, wow, I really connect with this song like on a deep level. I don't know what happens at the end of like the song. I mean, obviously, I think, I don't know if they, they get swept away with the, with the ocean. I mean, cause she's not paying attention, but I don't know if they, you know, drown or not. I don't, I still don't really know. I think I leave that up. That's where I leave that part. I leave up to the listener. So where do you find inspiration for songs? I'm always in awe of songwriters because, you know, I put together a podcast. I can write a script about kind of whatever I want, but the yeah. thought say like the tide that's what a five six minute song and you're able to capture so much emotion like how do you find I guess inspiration in inspiration to do something that powerful that quick does that make sense yeah no it really it it definitely does but but by the way what you do is also it's just a different avenue of that um thank you I appreciate that, that it's the creative brain, you know, taking over. So that's kind of funny you say that. It's a, this is a cheap, not cheap. This is just a, whatever. It's a plug for the new album title. But I've always felt as though I was a vessel or a conduit for the, you know, because I just kind of, if I start playing some chords or whatever, and I, I remember writing the tide in like half, like a few hours. Like it just all was like, okay, and then this, and then this, and then I've written some song. I've written a lot of songs like that. I I've written a lot of songs that were quick like that and just came to me quick. But I've also written songs that have taken like a couple months or a few months to like fully capture. I I view it as just that's kind of what the whole title of Conduit and the new record is like. I've always since day one felt as though I just felt so fortunate that I was able to literally a vessel for whatever the universe, you know, channels into my brain. And then it just comes out because I don't really know. It's such a out of body experience for me to write because I just, it just, it comes from somewhere that is, I know it comes from my mind or my heart or in tandem, the two, but it's like, it's just wild to me. Like even Mm -hmm. mid like literally while it's happening for the first time ever and maybe the melody will change and the lyrics will change but that first initial just like here's what I'm feeling and it's coming out of me in the form of melody lyrics and chords is so bananas going crazy to me (laughs) um I don't understand the process I just I just know it feels so good and it feels like something else is like I'm just fortunate enough to be the vessel through which that speaks if I know it's kind of hippy dippy and a little (laughs) woo woo but um, no no I love hippy dippy don't even worry about (laughs) it 
Okay, good. All right, good. Um, so what bands inspire you or even, um, you know, singer songwriters from the past, from sure. today, who do you look for, for inspiration? Yeah, I was just talking about this, uh, about this being inspired by this artist in particular, um, with our, he's like our proverbial fifth member of the band, Jeff Black. He lives here in LA and, um, uh, I just was picking up my acoustic at his house and, we uh, were talking about this artist just had a live stream on Friday. Uh, his name's Noah Gunderson and he's a singer songwriter. And he is, I mean, just hands down one of the best, in my opinion, singer songwriters and lyricists and just him in an acoustic uh, or an, or piano. I mean, he has full band arrangements too. And I mean, just incredible. Um, it's, he's truly inspiring to watch because of how effortless he makes these simple songs with simple chords and simple lyrics that are so well crafted that they're not simple. It's like, it's so hard to explain how he inspires myself and Jeff as well. Uh, but him, I'm so inspired by, by him as a, as a songwriter, just a solo singer songwriter. And then like bands, like my, some of my bigger influences and the ones that inspire me the most are like probably bands like Bon Iver, mm -hmm. uh, Bon Iver, um, mainly Justin Vernon, the kind of mastermind of that project and this, the singer, I guess, it, you know, like he's just so inspiring to me because he, every record, he just pushes himself and hit the project to be something different. And, and it's, it's like, he's fearless. I mean, I'm sure I know he, I've read so many interviews with him. I know he has, he's had a lot of fear and doubt uh, along the way, but it seems fearless because, you know, he started as this acoustic and then he goes into this electronic space and then he goes into like this even more like LSD type, like electronic weird music right. that I'm not even really, that I'm not really like the most big of fan of, but I don't even care because I love what it represents to him and that his project in Bon Iver to push the envelope. So I think it's a lot of like, like well crafted songman, like songwriting, like songmanship. I don't think it's a word. Um, <laughs> well crafted songs. And, and then also an artist that is not afraid to push their uh, outside their comfort zone or what they you know it's not afraid to sound original that's definitely you know one for me I, I could go on and on about a bunch of different bands but I think those like Noah Gunderson, Bon Iver, um, also probably Eminem is one of my biggest okay. inspirations I can't get I mean he is I love I love very select hip hop artists. He's definitely obviously the biggest one, but I, I just truly admire what he is able to do with words. That is just like, and it's been a big influence on me, like the compound rhyming thing. And obviously the content is not <laughs> um, anything that I'm singing about necessarily. Although he has some songs, you know, that about his like, uh, addiction troubles like that, that I resonate with but you know it's there I, I it doesn't matter what style of music or what kind or you know whatever um, I just I'm I'm open to all of the input 
uh, all the sensory input and, and inspiration comes in that way. So how do you I don't f- know if that answered it? <laughs> no, that was perfect. I love, you know, I like Eminem, Bon Iver. I'm starting, to, or bon, I always say it wrong, but I'm starting to get more uh, into yeah. his music. You know, he had a song with Taylor Swift. I love Taylor Swift. He so I'm did. like, all right, I'll give him a shot. <laughs> so, so proud of, so proud of him for that too. It's like incredible. It's and you so also cool. toured with Jack Antonoff for a while, right? I did. It's so wild to see Jack's crazy trajectory to the top. We toured with his band, uh, Steel Train. They actually opened for us for like a month, maybe a month and a half on a tour. I think a band called Ludo was also on that tour. And yeah, it was, I mean, he was such a nice guy. He was so talented back then even. I mean, it was crazy the amount of talent that he had and then to watch I literally just I I, uh, I had slightly kept in touch with their bass player Steel Train's bass player Evan for like a little bit after that tour but Jack and I we, we had gotten along everyone got along with him and and Evan and I God, all the other guys names escaped me but and then fast forward to Taylor Swift winning those Grammys for was it 89 Mm -hmm. and like seeing that he was the co-writer of these this album and I saw seeing him in a tux at the Grammys and I was like (laughs) that's Jack what I don't you know I was so confused but also like could not have been more proud and like cool uh, like feel such a cool feeling uh for him because like he just was such a sweet guy Mm -hmm. he is I mean I would assume he's still the same. He just was so genuine. And I think he, I mean, he deserves every, every bit of, uh, you know, acclaim for his songwriting because he can do it all in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I love Jack. Jack Antonoff, he's, he's, a, he's the best. You've also toured with bands like Yellow Card, Switchfoot, Goo Goo Dolls, you know, obviously no live music right now, but when you go back yeah. on tour to, mm-hmm promote conduit where are you like excited to play what cities do you love venues do you have like a favorite Uh, yeah I mean yeah we definitely I I think that we like just a few that pop into my head are like uh, Chicago is a great like we just have there's certain markets we do better in Mm -hmm. and obviously those are the ones that the shows are just more people and more of a feeling not to say that, you know, sometimes we have like these shows where there's like, sorry. No, that's our, okay. dog, we're, we're, our dogs are here. Um, <laughs> it's uh, uh, that we'll have these shows that are like maybe 50 to 100 kids and it didn't sell well. It's on a weekday. It's in a market. We're not like, you know, that do that. We don't do that well. And, and it's still we're able to somehow maybe it's this magical vibe. It just but typically the ones with the bigger crowd it's like okay like it's sold out tonight like don't like don't mess don't mess <laughs> this up get these people a show uh you know and have fun and connect with them but i'd say the cities the markets that that happens the most in like chicago particularly a venue called the bottom lounge there's also the metro in chicago is great um I think in LA, like the Roxy, we've played the Roxy the last however many times we played LA and absolutely love that. I mean, some of the most fun shows we've ever played. 
event, the Roxy, um, in LA. Uh, I think uh, like there's Buffalo, New York is always like crazy, really good shows in the Northeast, like New York City, a lot of great shows there. Just like it's all about the connection with mm-hmm. the crowd and with, with the fans. There are certain areas where that just happens and is more, it, it consistently happens no matter what month or year we come through it like is there and I would like to say it it doesn't always happen but more often than not most shows I don't know how to play or put on the show that isn't like I'm gonna connect with like all of you or a good portion of you or whatever I just it's like I just it's like my heart is out and I just slap it on the stage (laughs) and I'm like let's Let's hug it out. Like, you know, like whatever. It's definitely just about the connection with the crowd. So I think any place I would be stoked to play at this current juncture because of how crazy it feels to have not been on the road for this long. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I, I would, you know, those are just some of the few standouts that I mentioned. But anywhere, really. <laughs> Well, when you come to Nashville, I will absolutely be there. Oh, I love Nashville too. The Exit Inn Mm -hmm. uh, in Nashville, that place we've had great shows. Thank you for, that's a great one. And we also did, um, which I hope to be doing again, uh, maybe next year. We did uh, a a winery tour. It's called the City Wineries. Yeah. And we did a tour called the Bottle of Red Tour, which City Winery is a chain of wineries and restaurants that have this like you'll have wine, you'll eat, and then you see a band perform on this like they have beautiful stages uh, that are in this dining like area. And we had gotten to team up with City Winery um, in 2018 or 2019, maybe, and do a whole tour of all their locations up the east coast and i think we we did they they were awesome we love them and i think we're going to do it again so we it's basically more of a stripped down set and we have like a, a violinist come out we have like the piano and keys and lap steel and i play just acoustic it's it's like a lighter chilled mm-hmm. out and we play different versions so we did play at the Nashville City Winery, though. That was the last time I think we were in Nashville. That's a, a beautiful ago. building, too. It's so nice. Oh, it's so gorgeous. It's <laughs> so pretty. I mean, it's so pretty. Yeah, I love Nashville. So that's where you're That's where you're located? Yeah, I'm originally from Massachusetts, but I've been here about three years, so. Oh, nice. Yeah, dude, uh, our, good, our good friend, one of my best friends in our old guitar tech, Ace, uh, Andrew but I call we call Mace. He lives in Nashville and uh, yeah, he loves it there. I love, I mean, I love it there too. It's a fun city. That's for sure. Now, as we wrap this up, there were a lot of emo trends, whether it was, you know, the straightened hair, the guy liner, (laughs) the skinny jeans, you know, I could go on the converse, (laughs) the purple shirt. I feel like guys are always wearing like purple shirts with stars on them. (laughs) Yeah. Is there yeah. one trend that you kind of wish would come back? My gosh, from those <laughs> days, from those days, no way. Um, <laughs> not for me personally, no. I, in the last, like, I don't know, seven, seven years or something, six or seven years, I have mainly started to just wear only black. 
like black everything. Maybe I was a little more adventurous back then with the like, you know, the and the side print. It always there was always like shirts with like mm-hmm. all the way just the design was just on the bottom on the like left side. I I don't know. I don't really. I like to think that those happened. Those trends happened. I for sure had a hair straightener. Me and our guitar player Dan, our old guitar player Dan, we both one thousand percent straightened our hair before the shows. And like did the whole thing where you have to like whip it out of your your face like every time because it's like dang it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, I think those are best left just like kept in the in the past. <laughs> better as a memory. <laughs> yeah, it's so much better as a memory. Like those are just. I'll, I definitely appreciate them, but I don't want them to come back. <laughs> Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Everybody go out, stream can, can do it. I think with my accent, it makes it really hard for me to say that word. <laughs> no, I, I love it. It's okay. I love it. Every time it's, I hesitate, because I want to do, I want to say can instead of con. It's, yeah, I, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Just, <laughs> I like can do it where you put the emphasis on the other or can do it. Can do it. Can do it. Can do it. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it's honestly, that's the whole, that's the best part is you can call it whatever you want to call it. As long as you listen to it and I listen to it, I listen to it in full and it does sound like, you know, the old spill canvas I grew up with, but a little more mature. Like the lyrics are more mature, Ah, I would, I would say, and I I really love it. I really love it. Thank you so much. Ah, that means the world to hear that. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you for having me on. I hope this was, I hope I didn't ramble too much. No, this is perfect. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. I appreciate it. So how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing great. I'm really, really excited about this. I actually, I used to listen to you guys all the time, like on the way to school. And I told my mom I was interviewing you and she was very excited. She was a big (laughs) fan too. Oh, that's so cute. I mean, that's, I love that. That's awesome. (laughs)